Welcome back, listeners, to the Brighter Side of Blue, the podcast. Coming to you live from the Blue Line Technology Studios. I'm Danny. I'm Tommy. I'm JJ. Zen Master. The Zen Master JJ. Hey, JJ, you notice that aroma that's coming from the back room? Catered by retired Sergeant Tommy Botini. Brought in, in, in honor of Mardi Gras, he brought in some uh, gumbo. He's semi-retired. Semi-retired. He's an inc- he's an incredible. Inc- what's the word? I'm looking. Oh, whoa, whoa. Screw that up. He is very important for the Brentwood Police Department. Senior crime analysis. Is integral was the word. Are we just going to let him off the hook with that? Which one? That whatever he butchered right yeah. there during that seizure. Integral. Okay. Is that, no, okay. No, we'll we'll take your word for it. Man, that was good. That was bad. Word soup by JJ. <laughs> 370 cities now, over 370 cities. This has been a fun ride. We I hope you guys can tell we're having a lot of fun. We hope you guys have a lot of fun listening to us and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. And tell your friends, tell everybody um, that you know, that give us a shot. You know, we're not saying we're for everybody, but um, a lot of the feedback we're getting is extremely positive and, and people are putting up or picking up what we're putting down. So that's that's very, very important to us. Things have uh, skyrocketed since we brought on executive videographer Jack Milliken. Hey, Jack, uh, can you give us a little some highlights on the social media and numbers and such? Yeah, we're so we're all over social media now. We're on Twitter. We're on TikTok, the old TikTok. We're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. We've got shorts out there on YouTube. We've got uh, over 5,000 views on our last few shorts on YouTube, so that's going super well. Uh, you guys are kicking ass here on this last Jen Williams episode on YouTube. Um, the views are going doing very well on YouTube there. Um, you know, just make sure that that you're liking all these. If you see one of these shorts, comment on it. It helps helps expand who can see it. And uh, you know, be sure to rate the show. And it's as simple as when you're on Spotify, hit those five stars if you think this is a five star show. I think it is. And uh, it's just that easy. You know, that's if you get value out of this, help us out. Thank you, Jack. Uh, so, Jack, I don't know how to respond to comments because we I saw, and this is being truthful. I'm not being sarcastic. I saw at least three comments that they want to see producer John in those New Balance shoes with white high socks and those jean shorts with pockets. We, we did, did you see? The, did you did you see the comments? I think, so you I, think I, yeah. I think I know. What you're did talking. you see it, producer John? I did. I did, I, and I did not pay that person to, to put that on there. <laughs> but the um, I'm gonna wait till you guys um, finish your campaign. And then I'm going to start the, the producer John campaign, which will blow everything out of the water. Sure. <laughs> I have no looking forward have, to it. Huh? I'm very much looking forward to it. I have no doubt that that's a true statement. Um, that's available great. on YouTube now, video, and then uh, we're going to Jack's going to change the platform, and we'll also be on video on Spotify. Um, so if you like watching and you want to see us, which I don't I think we're better sounding than we are looking but hey, speak for yourself i got yeah, one thing very the, true the spotify or the, or the youtube if you hit on the description it'll open it up and then that's where you can find the merch link yep and we that's how you can support the show right now is right uh, now that's the only way we're supporting it right bills are piling up right you need help and then uh, but in the future we're going to have some neat events we're coming up we're talking about um that we're going to get out there on the road and we're going to have an event coming up Probably within the next couple months, we're putting it together. We have some news on the upcoming shows, um, but we're really looking forward to that. That's going to be fun. Very good. Things are popping. Things are popping. And uh, hey, uh, producer uh, 
executive videographer because we got reprimanded by producer John. He, he's the hierarchy. He's at he, top. He, he's he at set the top. us straight on he's the hierarchy. Set us straight good. And so producer John is the boss of the brighter side of blue, and we're just gonna acquiesce to that. Yes, hey, I'm looking at him. He scares me. Yeah, he scares me. And he kind of he seemed a little crabby today. He does seem off a little. <laughs> he seems a little cranky today. I'm he not going to lie today. to you. I, I think, think those bought, jean shorts are a little tight. I, I know what it is. It, it, it's the Bud Light he bought was warm. Oh, so violation. It was easily fixed. Though. <laughs> I knew exactly what to do. <laughs> uh, did uh, is the gumbo not sitting right with you? The gumbo is delicious. Uh, it's all in the roux, as Bo will tell you. <laughs> it's all in the roux. I think he did an, an amazing job on it. Thank you, Bo. Congre- thank you. Hey, I'll be honest. Huggy wasn't going to be able to make it. And I told him that Bo was catering. Look who showed up. Huggy just Huggy comes in. He comes flying in. Perfect. Because we need him tonight because he's got something to play, right? Yeah, yes, we do. Does. You gave him an assignment. I did give him an assignment. Hey, you know, one thing we're, we're never going to be without uh, – Producer John, can you give me a little, little bit of uh, some Zenish uh, atmosphere? But we can never be without the JJ Zen moment any longer because it's it's going crazy across all the continents except I, for Asia. We're still a little bashful in Asia. Yeah, we're, we're we'll no, get there. I'm, I'm, I'm telling there. you, we'll be there. It won't be a problem. This Zen's gonna get it's gonna get it. Okay, I brought, I brought this music in just to, to kind of woo the Asian audience. Sounds like I agree. That's, that's perfect music. <laughs> I hope it works. Come on, Zenny Joiner, well, what do you have for us? I'm gonna pass it. I'm not gonna really pass it, but I'm not gonna have to read it this time. Thank God. It's relative to the, what we did today. Dude. We had a pretty heavy show today. Where you're gonna hear later, um, and this is gonna be kind of appropriate. So one of the best speeches I've ever heard. It's a little section out of it. Happened, I think it was 1993 at the Espies. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much it. So hit it, Huggy. And, and when people say to me, how do you get through uh, life or, or each day is the same thing? To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. So the show we have coming up is is with Steve Dodge, uh, the current chief of police of Sunset Hills, and uh, his, and Joe Cruz, who um, was his partner when he came back to work after Steve Dodge lost his, his uh, partner, Bob Stanzi, and um, later in the show, you're going to hear about that. And what a fitting um, Zen moment for a show that we just got done taping. And uh, and again, you know, it's a tragedy, but there is some laughter in there. We had a good time with those guys. We just can't thank them enough for coming in, telling the story, especially Steve. And um, Joe, his partner, who really helped him through all that. And um, what they're going to hear is, is, is what you guys are going to hear coming up is is just powerful. Um, Steve opened up to us. And, and uh, just like Jim Valvano said, we had quite a day. Well, like Jim Valvano said, that was a very good job, uh, JJ. That Thank was, you. That was one of your better zens. And it was uh, very I mean, appropriate for what the show was. That's going to be hard to top. It's yeah. going to be very hard to top. Um, but... You know, listening to Steve Dodge, we managed to laugh 
during this episode. Yep. We managed to cry, and, and we were in deep thought about some of the things he was saying. So it's very appropriate that um, that Zen. So you really hit a home well, run with that one. It took a lot of courage for him to come in here and yeah, um, absolutely. talk about yeah. it all these years. It still hurts. Cool. He did an incredible job. And Joe Cruz did a great job. Yes. Yeah. Very uh, good. To, stand, to, to um, do what Joe did and um, step up and, and actually want to ride with Steve when he came back and, and, and bring that in. You know, I never heard that story. Really? I knew that, well, obviously I knew they became partners, but I never knew how it came about until yeah. then. So that was cool to hear. I heard some stuff in the show, too, that I'd never known before. And, yeah. Um, very powerful, and, and we had fun. And whose phone is that? Howard. Oh, man. Here we go. Oh. The guy oh. was just yelling at us JJ. all Why to turn our phone off. Why do I give JJ any ammo? No, my oh. phone's off. It was an alarm. I'm, I'm heading out of town. I was supposed to check in on a flight. I'll never hear the end of it from JJ. No, it's okay, but things happen. <laughs> Hey, he took uh -oh. the high road on uh -oh. me. JJ yeah, yeah. took the high I road. No, I think he wants peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep feeling he, he puts these DraftKings football games. I keep winning them, so I feel kind of. So you feel I, bad. I, I want him to keep putting those games right. out there. Oh think, my God, JJ, I'm so proud of you. Took the high road. No, but um, you have a safe quick, trip boys, too. Real quick, um, <laughs> the family of the week is the Cruz family. As you heard us, we just talked about Joe. Um, and Joe's father, Russ, was on the police department for 35-plus years, uh, retired as a lieutenant. His older brother, Andy, uh, was a policeman for, I think he retired as a sergeant after 21 years. And Joe, uh, who you hear from later, still on the pl police department and uh, spent a lot. He's a lieutenant, current, currently a lieutenant um, of the uh, trained Metrolink. And... Longtime member of Mobile Reserve and a good friend of ours, and as 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 is Steve, and a member of Squad Four, of Squad. Well, you're going to hear a lot about Squad Four coming up, and I think we're going to get and some Squad Four hate mail. I'm going to tell all the squads one through five not to listen this week. <laughs> <laughs> JJ, yes, sir. If you could go back in time and for one hour in any space in the universe, any time you get to go back for sixty minutes. You're only a fly on the wall. You can't change any outcomes. You can't do anything you can't touch. All you can do is watch, literally a fly on the wall or whatever. Where would you go? I would go. I'm going to steal Bose because I really like what he had to say. The moon landing. I'd like to be in the ship. Or actually, I'd like to be on the moon and see if it actually As landed. It comes to you. If it actually or in the studio. Are in the studio. Oh, did it you're not a believer? Happen? I don't know. You know what, though? That's my pick, but that'd be really disappointing. That's where I get to go, and it never really <laughs> it happens. It never shows never up. Happens. You're on the moon going, what's up? Right. That'd be cool. <laughs> When's this thing coming? It's 1986. <laughs> I only got 10 more minutes. Come on. Jesus. Right. Oh. Producer John? 60 minutes of time. I'd like to go back to the 1970s. And watch Raquel Welsh take a bath. <laughs> oh, I don't that's even know what to say about that. It's kind of oh. creepy. Kind of creepy. Right. It's so. <laughs> look through the window. I get it. Are you going to look through the me, window? I'll be honest, John. To me, she was probably the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, in bar none, to this day. She was. She was unbelievable. Yeah, she was, she was in the Planet of the Apes. People, we lost the whole young generation. Uh, there's a lot of things that happened in the history of the that's world and universe. I'm just helping them out. Hey. You know, whatever. It's his hour. 
It's his hour. <laughs> what do you got for us, Tommy? Uh, I would go back to the building of the Pyramid of Giza. And I want to know how it was built. Yeah, because that's a huge it, piece. Dude, it has 2.3 million stones that weighed 2.5 to 15 tons apiece. Which hour are you going to go? The hey, first hour or the last hour? In the middle. In the middle? I want to see how they moved all this John, stuff. I can, I can answer it. What? Three letters. UFO. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that thing stays at 68 degrees year-round in the middle of the desert. It's one inch, less than one inch off of true north. Now, you're, you're going back to, you know, Egyptians, you know, what, way, way back when it was built. And you're telling me that these people were pushing around these stones, and they, they, the stones came from 500 miles away. And How did it happen? Le- how about leverage? Well, I guess you're going to tell us when you get back from your hour. <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm coming back with some news, goddammit. Yeah, you're going to come back with some I think knowledge. it was in a pre, I think life as we know it was wiped out, and there's a life that we didn't know that they built that that's, and it survived. That's just me. You know, I got theories. Producer you know John, what were you going to say? UFOs. What's yours, Danny? Uh, well, I'm I'm a little traumatized by Producer John's right now. I just can't even fathom that. Um, Should I have said Florence Henderson? <laughs> <laughs> no, you were she the Brady Bunch? Yep. That, that's that's even wronger. Yeah. That is wrong. That was a wholesome family show that I watched All of a sudden every day. He's peeping in the bathroom <laughs> window. Yeah. All right, forget the whole thing. I'm just gonna go back with Sawyer. He'll have a buddy, <laughs> and we'll watch the pyramid get get erected. <laughs> I would go. I would go back to an hour. I'd go to Bethlehem when. When the, when the three kings brought their stuff, and be, I'd be there watching that whole... That would be the particular thing. incident? Yeah, that's it. A lot of stuff in the Bible that you could probably go yeah, back to. Yeah, you could go back to, but I'd go there, and it's... I know that's a little bit the polar opposite about uh, Peeping Tom producer, <laughs> but, but that's what I would do. <laughs> that's a good one. I don't know if it's as good as mine. No, I like, I like your pyramid oh. theory. I, I really do. What was yours again, JJ? I don't remember. The moon? <laughs> yeah. What, what what you brought that up one time another time bar. and uh we got uh some jfks well the worst one we ever got was uh an intelligent person uh that i thought was intelligent said uh she wanted to be inside the cell to see if jeffrey epstein truly hung himself he i'm did. like I, I, I don't care he, he, did. he has no pulse and that's all that he did yeah yeah but that that's a waste of an hour of, of, of time. That's to me that's the worst one. I really like your pyramid one. Thank you. That's unusual you to compliment me on my opinion. Hey, if the moon landing ideas. actually happened. Last week you just told people flat out that. I was full of shit about the Aust- or the uh, Antarctica. Yeah, and I I checked and I, that. I'm 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 the, people agree with me. Was it uh, Argentina? Argentina has territory no, no, in no, they Antarctica. Cla- they claim in territory, and and the U. I did for the reason. The most. And the United States does not acknowledge that as being true. So Argentina says we have territory, but well, the United they don't States acknowledge not. a lot of shit that's going on. Okay, all right, we're not going there. <laughs> right, <laughs> non-political, right? 
Are we going to bring this back down and get to the show? Yes. Okay. We are, but the one little thing that we did find out, um, and you'll hear the stories coming up, and the, the Stanzi family was mentioned in the story, and Michelle and, and um, the twins, and Will. And Will was a year old at the time, um, or right around there. And we found out after the show, after um, executive video producer Jack was over, <laughs> we're butchering that title. But yeah, we'll we can make that simpler, especially for me. Right. But uh, we found out afterwards, as Jack listened to the story, is that uh, he went to school with Will Stanzi. And uh, we thought that was kind of neat. Wow. And uh, he went to St. Gabriel's with him. And was this his, was your brother, or was it your uncle or your dad that rode with? My dad, dad's the one who rode with, with Bob. And then uh, Joe Cruz's daughter, Emily, also went to school with Will and I. So it's a whole wow. close circle. St. Wow. Louis is, it is wow. a small town, St. Louis. Uh, wow. Is. That is pretty cool. So, well, that's a perfect lead-in to our interview with uh, Joe Cruz and Steve Dodge. Yeah. Uh, hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Hit it, Huggy. All right, let's get started, uh, Tommy, with a, a, little, a little tough episode of uh, Brighter Side of Blue. You know, uh, all of us out there in the law enforcement community, you know when you kiss your loved ones goodbye before you go into a shift, you know, some people think it's just a, uh, a thing we say. You don't know if you'll come back, you know, um, but it does happen, and it does happen, and it's happened uh, 23 years ago in the city of St. Louis, a really rough one. Uh, August 8, 2000, we lost one of our fine young officers, Bob Stanzi. And tonight we have Chief Dodge with us, Bob Stanzi's partner, on that day, August 8th. And keeping with the brighter side of blue um, access, this is the first time that Chief Dodge has ever uh, talked openly and in detail about this. And it's going to be a tough show for us, um, but I, sh I think it's going to be important for the awareness of what law enforcement does every day when they leave their homes, not knowing if they'll make it back. Chief, thanks for coming along on the show tonight. And uh, yeah, we know, hey, we're a bunch of jokesters usually, but tonight, this is, this is the real deal. And this is what law enforcement puts on the line every time we go out the door. And thank you for coming on and talking about something that's very tough. Absolutely. Also yeah. joining us is Joe Cruz and, and Joe's here. And um, you guys will hear the story um, as it unfolds, but Joe, um, he took Steve as a partner after the incident, and um, they'll talk about how that uh, partnership formed. And uh, welcome, Joe. Thank you. So, Steve, just uh, Chief Dodge, um, a little bit about you that I know. Um, 23 years with the city of St. Louis, retired as a lieutenant. You also have a law degree. Yes. And uh, you went out to Sunset Hills and became the chief, and you've been out there for seven years. Yep. Uh, you've been part of our family for all 30 years of those and Chief, uh, Chief Spees and all of us, we've uh, known you for all those years. But uh, uh, Chief, if you don't mind, let's just go into August 8th and tell us a little bit about that day. Sure, so <clears throat> there was a, uh, a, a shooting that happened in Berkeley and it was on, uh, I believe is at 170 and Airport Road. Um, a Berkeley officer by the name of Antoine Easterwood had conducted a vehicle stop at that location. Um, during the course of that traffic stop, um, Officer Easterwood was shot multiple times um, and the, uh, the suspect fled. Uh, he sustained, like I said, multiple gunshot wounds, 
was in very serious condition. Um, and so uh, Berkeley Police Department called in St. Louis County to conduct the investigation. Um, one interesting thing about that is uh, Bob and I saw Officer Easterwood um, at the downtown holdover. He and I were booking a prisoner and so, and, and uh, uh, Antoine was picking up a prisoner uh, for Berkeley. So St. Louis County picked up the investigation. Um, a friend, a good friend of mine, Pete Morrow, uh, who was in Crimes Against Persons at the time, he was part of that investigation along with uh, Rick Will and Joe Nickerson. So they were working the case and they would uh, come up with some leads and come up with some names um, of some subjects who, you know, they had in, intel that were in the city. Um, they would share that information with Bob and I, and then Bob and I would go out and try to, to find these guys. And um, I want to say, uh, you know, they, they give us a name. We caught one guy. They'd interview him. It wouldn't pan out. Um, they gave us another name, information on him. We went out there and looked for him and, and uh, you know, find him. And then they'd interview him and, and that wouldn't pan out. Um, there was another subject they had uh, had information on and um, he kind of fit more of the um, the description a little bit and and just he was wanted out of California I believe for sexual assault um, so his his the information they had he really made him to be a strong suspect in, in, in the case um, so we were given all this information. They, the additional information they had provided us is that um, he was driving a purple motorcycle and that um, he was uh, he had family or friends or something or had been seen staying above uh, a confectionery in the area of Marcus and St. Louis. So that's the information we had. And <clears throat> I want to I mean, you know, for a couple of weeks, we'd, we'd go by that location trying to locate the subject. So real um, quick, Steve, I'm sorry to interrupt, but so you were getting the information personally. It wasn't like broadcast throughout the police department that they're looking for this. You were helping out a friend in the county. Like you said, Pete Morrow. Correct. Was giving you information, knew the area that this guy might have hung in, knew you were in mobile reserve. Yes. And knew you. So that's how that was. The information yes. was being it yes. wasn't like it was broadcast to the whole police department. No, they, they would give us the information okay. and then they give us a name. Hey, we're looking for this guy. He's supposed to be in this part of the city. And obviously being a mobile, you know, we had the whole city to, to go out. Free reign. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we could, you know, try to try to track him down. And, and another side note to this is Antoine uh, was in the police academy with uh, a county officer by the name of Paul Gordon. And uh, Paul and Bob were really tight. And um, so there was another nexus there that that obviously you don't need any more motivation than we already had for shooting a cop. But the fact that Paul and Antoine were in the academy together and, um, you know, it's just a little added right. motivation there as well. So, you know, we, we kept going by this location looking for this motorcycle and, and uh, looking for the subject who, you know, we had a name and everything else and description and um, no luck. And then uh, on August 8th, 2000, um, as many people have talked about, we went to Biggie's, me and Bob and then 
Jim Patterson and Rob Ernst, and we all had lunch together there. Um, and <clears throat> I don't think we were really assigned a district that day. Because <clears throat> um, usually what they do is when you come into mobile, they, they assign you a, a district, you know, maybe four fine. districts or something like that. Or maybe the eighth district was, was next up, but usually the first district's a wash. So I don't know, you know, because you're always eating during the, during the first district, but <laughs> so I don't know if the second district was the eighth, but that's where we were. Bob decided, hey, let's go up there and take a look. Okay. And uh, so I remember we were driving down uh, St. Louis and we saw the purple motorcycle parked right there. And, um, and that was the first time we had seen it. And so we drove back down behind the confectionery right there. It was on the um, southwest corner. Of Marcus, Marcus and St. Louis. And, St. Louis. Yeah. and so we uh, we drove down the alley. We came back around, and as we were coming down to the to the to the shop to the corner of Marcus and St. Louis, um, there was like a uh, I want to say a tan Toyota Celica, and um, the suspect had had come out of the store and was walking towards this Celica. It was like a rental car. And uh, I go to Bob, I go, is that, is that him? And Bob's like, yeah, that's him. And so Bob stopped the car. We both came out with our, our guns drawn. Um, you know, put your hands up, he was compliant. Um, ordered him to the ground. Um, I said, Bob, hey, you cover him, I'll handcuff him. Went and handcuffed him. And he had he had a distinct tattoo on his arm that we knew about that we we knew whether or not it would be the, the suspect. And I looked on his you know after I got him cuffed on the ground, uh, lifted up his shirt sleeve or whatever, and could see the the tattoo. And I knew we had him at that point that that was the guy we were looking for. So we were pretty excited because we knew this was you know probably the guy. Right. Um, so, had him, stood him up off the ground, conducted my pat down of him, um, you know, searched through his pockets, ran my hands along his waistband, shook out his shorts, everything else. Um, but what I didn't do, thinking back on it, is I didn't pull the handcuffs back and search behind the handcuffs. So... Bob says, hey, call Tony. Lackanek was our sergeant at the time. Get a hold of Tony on, on the Mobile Reserve channel and uh, let him know, you know, we got him. So I get on there and tell Tony, hey, we got him. I don't think Tony really knew who him was at the time. <laughs> but I said, hey, we're up here in Marcus in St. Louis and we got a, you know, suspect in custody. You can respond. So by this time, Bob had put him um, in the backseat of the car and what I did not know at the time, which is some something we did on occasion, which was uh, very important uh, that Bob did, was he uh, handcuffed him to the seatbelt because we knew we had a pretty big fish. And so he handcuffed him to the seatbelt and we started interviewing. And I was in the front passenger seat, seat and Bob was kind of leaning in through the, through the driver's seat. Um, so while we were interviewing him, I heard a large, what I thought at the time was an explosion, smelled the gunpowder. 
um, and then knew that he had a gun and he had shot. Um, Bob kind of yells, oh shit. And he starts towards the back of the car. At that point, um, I kind of dive out of the car from where I'm at. And when I do that, my gun falls out on my holster because I just had it holstered, uh, you know, un unholstered it to point at the suspect. So I'm halfway in and out of the car with my feet in the car and I'm, my gun's on the ground somewhere and I'm thinking, well, I'm gonna need that. And somehow it ended up underneath the car. I don't know how that happened. <clears throat> um, so I reached back and I got my gun, came around the back of the car, engaged there, fired several shots and uh, you could see him still moving around. My concern was he's, you know, gonna try to shoot again. There was a telephone pole right next to the car. Fired several more shots from there. Um, at that point, I think my gun ran dry. So I did a, a reload there. And I didn't wasn't really liking the telephone pole for being good cover. So at that point, I kind of ran towards um, St. Louis Avenue. And there was a car parked right there on the uh, east side of Marcus on St. Louis, right across uh, from the shoeshine place that was there at the time. So at that point, I look up and I can see Bob laying on the ground, kind of halfway on, on top of a, a sewer that was there onto uh, St. Louis Avenue. And he wasn't moving. So the problem is I had my 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 radio was on the mobile reserve channel. That's what a lot of times we do. We, we keep we'll keep one typically the your miniature on the mobile reserve channel so we can communicate amongst ourselves on different stuff. So then I had to I wanted to make sure we got some help. And so pulled up, holstered my gun, pulled out my radio, tried to find the side channel and then put down the uh, put out the uh, officer down shots fired. And then during that time, I could see the suspect moving around. And, and he's still in the car. He's still in the car at this time. And I could see him moving around. So as he did, I would take my shots. And then the troops started showing up. Well, and then a six district car pulled up and he pulled up pretty close to the, to the, uh, um, the suspect vehicle. And so it was kind of at that point, you know, my concern was he's going to run up to the car and I didn't want him getting shot or. So at that point I left where I was and it was uh, actually uh, Jerome Jackson, who I was in the academy with. He was a sixth district officer. He was the first one on the scene. And I said, hey, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. Well, at that point he had jumped out the window and he was uh, almost kind of like dangling by the seatbelt. So he's still caught up he's in still, the seatbelt. Yes, he's so, still So what Bob did there he, yeah. for, for prevented him from running away? He'd have been gone. Okay. He, he'd have jumped out and he'd have been on his way. Right. So, yeah, so in that, in that regard, Bob kept him from escaping. Wow. Um, so I ran up to Bob. The guy's yelling out on the gun. I ran up to Bob and Bob was unconscious. Um, 
and I reached you know to get a pulse and there was no pulse. At this time, um, John Blaskowitz, who's an 8th District officer, who's now a lieutenant with the police department, he pulled up. And I was like, hey, we just need to get him off the street and get him, get him to Barnes. We're not, you know, let's get there, get him there as quickly as you can. I didn't want him laying there in that street. Right. So we loaded him up in the car. I was in the back seat with Bob. He was laying on my lap. And John uh, drove the car to uh, to Barnes. Unfortunately, and this is the only time I've ever seen this in my career, but the siren didn't work in the police car. So it was like, yeah. The one time you need it the most. Yeah. Um, but John did a great job and he, he got us there. Sounds like. As fast as he could, you know, given the circumstances. Um, so, so you're not communicating with anybody at this point other than you, John, and you've got Bob in the back. And I'm sure are, and I'm just, are they trying to ask John questions of you? And so you're not, you don't know what's going on at the scene at this point, obviously. No, the, the, no, okay. I okay. don't. And, and I know there was a mass confusion. I found out later there was mass confusion. I realized that when I was down homicide and there but Take you go it. to the hospital and then what so yeah so eventually hospital? we get in the hospital they they pull them out i know that the doctors you know tried everything they put us in the in the waiting room or the quiet room i don't even know what they call it um but they were in there for a while working on bob and then um, his cousin um who was a seventh district officer nick stanji showed up with his partner and he was in there and uh that's when they uh, they came into the waiting room. The doctors did and said they, they did everything they could, but they tried everything they could but couldn't save him. So you found out before you left the hospital? Yes. And then I'm guessing that somebody comes and gets you and takes you down to homicide at that point? Uh, yeah, Jim Wood. Okay. Woody. <laughs> He's Woody? Himself. Woody. Oh, well, God, I didn't know at least that. we all get a good quick <laughs> chuckle out of that. Hey. <clears throat> I tell you what, though, Woody was, you know, he couldn't have been nicer and more understanding. Great guy. Um, and I, I, he was in the passenger seat, and I can't remember who drove, and I feel so, and Jim would know. Did he take you to the right headquarters? Right. <laughs> That's a valid did, question. Tommy, did, did you know that, did you know what, what you I, I, This is the first time hearing of it. No, I knew. You did know? What, yeah. I, knew I never heard that. That's the first time I heard that. So but, you get down to homicide, and, um, your brother Rick is a Clayton police officer at the time. I believe he was a sergeant, correct? No, he never got promoted. <laughs> yeah, throw that dig in on your brother. No, huh? no he never even had a chance. I so, so you're down on homicide. I, I, and I don't even fault Clayton for that. So, <laughs> so you're down on homicide and Rick comes down um, and Rick takes you home after I'm sure how many hours of just writing down statements. And I didn't, I, I didn't. To their credit, I didn't. I mean, I gave them a, an idea of what was going on there. One of, one of the issues they had is they they were they thought there might be more than one suspect. And I'm like, no, there's only one. Right. That was some of the confusion. But um, no, they and I gave them a you know an explanation. But you know, obviously, I was right. Was the suspect struck at all? Did he, did he catch? Any I think rounds? he was shot like once or twice or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So then Rick takes you out to his house, and I'm just going to set this up and. And obviously you've just gone through what you've gone through. And um, I'm gonna kick it to JJ here because there's a very uh, neat story. 
And I, I, with I mobile reserve. I know he's never heard this, but he'll 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 start figuring it out. Um, when it first happened, when it got wind, it was a rumor, and I was off. We were in the opposite ship of you. Jimmy Long pulls up in front of my house and says, "Hey, I think a mobile officer has been shot." So he doesn't know anything. So I go inside and I actually call, and I call Tony Lockman, and he answers and he tells me what happened. And uh, I call Jimmy, and he's just he's at the gym we had there on Macklin, and he just falls apart on the phone. And I and I said, I don't know what to do. So he le and so we we kind of only thing, the only thing we know to do is is eventually we just all go to mobile reserve. All the mobile reserve find out. Interrupt real quick. Jimmy went to the academy with Bob, correct? Yes. Do you know that? Yeah, yes. they, they were yeah. buddies. And, and I didn't know Bob as very well. I knew him from training because we were on opposite shifts. And I, I had talked to him and he was just a great guy. And he was, someone said, you got to sit next to him. He's funny as hell. And he'll just have these quick, you know, these funny remarks and stuff. And and I did sit down when one time we were sitting together training and he had me dying laughing. He's just a funny, funny guy. And I really hadn't known him that well at all. But anyway. And, and Jimmy and, anyway. and Bob were in, uh, went to the 7th District together as well. Okay. Well, Jimmy... We all meet up at Mobile Reserve, everyone, the whole unit. There's, what, how many officers at that time? They, they were making relief, and uh, we were due to be on, so it was, like, right at 6 o'clock. Okay. So that, that put the entire unit together. Right. And we and with our big roll call room, we had a bunch of chairs, and there was never there was never chairs in there. So we all get there. There's chairs all lined up for us. Um, so we all sit down, and I, Colonel Atkins, who was a captain at the time, and Crusoe was probably a lieutenant or a captain at the time. They're there with this grief counselor, this female, never seen her before. So we're all in this room and they say, hey, she wants to talk to you guys. So she talks for, Joe, you were there. I don't even remember what, how long she talked, but no one was really listening to her. And we're people, also, just another interruption, and I'm sorry, but that's that mobile guys were coming in from off duty because this happened in right. day watch. There was a whole group and you guys included we're working the night watch at six to two and you guys all once you received the news everybody went to mobile right and we okay. knew that's what we we're supposed to do so we all showed up there so she talks to us for a few minutes um and we're all looking there like you know we don't could care less what she has to say right now and uh sure. atkins picked up on it. colonel atkins picked up on it and he says what do you guys want to do and we didn't say anything we said we'd like to talk amongst ourselves and so that he he leaves he takes her and crew so they walk out and we're talking and jimmy long um, yeah, but her advice was uh, you just give, give uh, Steve some space. I, I got, I'm going to get to that, Joe. All right. Hey, I, Joe, I, I we got like, a new yes. interrupter? Yeah, yeah I get, we, we got, got a new interrupter. Yes. I know this from <laughs> Bacon. Welcome, so. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe. No, but Jimmy Long, and we're talking, and Jimmy Long says, and I, he says, I went to headquarters because he wanted to see Steve. And he'd ran into Steve at headquarters, and he came back to the, the where we're at at Mobile, and he says, Steve's not doing good. He looks terrible. He's just... He's not doing good, and I, and you know, he's really in a bad way. And we're like, you know, we knew that he was in a bad way, but, and I don't know who said it. We said we need to go see him, and so I think it was Bill McDonough might actually said, for some reason he says, JJ, go tell them we want to go see Bob. <laughs> we don't want to go see Steve, and so I get up and I tell uh, Atkins what's going on. I say, hey, we really like to go see Steve. That's what everybody decided. And this counselor says, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. How about we get a card and you all sign it? <laughs> and writes, and I, I looked at her and I was like, are you kidding me? And I looked at uh, Crusoe and uh, Atkins. He goes, no. He goes, you guys want to go see him? We'll find out where he's at. Let's get, our, get in the cars. Let's double up as much as possible. 
And when we get the address, we're all gonna, we'll go train there. So we got the address and we all got in our cars. There's probably 10, 12 cars, maybe more. Probably more. All marked mobile. All marked mobile cars. And we snaked through the city, got out, went to and to Manchester, unincorporated Manchester in the subdivision where Rick lived. So I, I remember it so vividly. We drove through the subdivision. It was kind of like we snaked through it. It's a little windy road. And we pull up, we all get out once and car doors are all closing. And, we, and I'll never forget, we walk, there's a small small house, a little ranch style house, right? Mm -hmm. We walk up and the front door's open, but there's the glass doors there. And Rick must've heard the, the uh, commotion, the doors and stuff. Car door slamming. Yeah, totally doors slamming. But we were trying to be, you know, cause it was night, it was late, getting later. <clears throat> so he looks out and was walking up in the front yard. I hear him say, hey, Steve, there's some policemen out here. Steve says, have them come in. Rick says, I don't think I can. And so Steve comes to the door, he sees us, he walks out and this, and this, I'm choked up on this, but Steve comes out and we all uh, surround him and we hug him and we tell him he's, it's, it's okay. He's going to be okay. And, uh, and no, and he, and Steve stopped and it, it was probably the hardest. I never want to go through that again. I know he definitely doesn't either, but, and, and, uh, so that, and I think, and I, and I can guess Steve, but I think that was the first part of, of him healing. He knew he, we all had his back then. And, and that's all I get. That's, that's the story. And, um, I don't know if Joe wants to add that just, to it. No, I'm sorry. I interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> As we all tear up a little bit, but uh, uh, that's yeah, okay. That but I was, for, for Al Atkins to, to, to have the, the, you know, the wherewithal to know that, he needed to be, you know, we need to do our, you know, and I know you don't want to credit the wrong person, but it, you know, Bill McDonough's a person you remember, just somebody what? saying, Hey, well, he's, we all, we don't care on, what not, this thing. He just said, know. go tell him. So I got up. And oh, told okay. Him. So, yeah. And so we, I went and told him, okay, they agreed and we did it. And <coughs> he didn't listen to the grief counselor. No, no offense to grief counselors. They do a good job, but, um, this, they just, that said, wasn't, that, that wasn't what you guys wanted to hear the sign card. And I don't think that would have no. helped Steve. But, well, and, and again, it's, you know, there's no set plan on how to handle all this stuff. No playbook. Right. You know, if there was, you know, you know it's like, but again. Steve, so, can, you, can you talk a little bit about your reaction that night of how you remember that going down? Th that part with mobile showing up and what it meant to you? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously I, because uh, at the time, I mean, other than him, you know, let Bob down, his family down, but then felt like I let no, the guys down. No. You know, and uh, and I didn't know how I was going to be able to face them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, obviously when they came out, it meant a lot to me. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was just with the doctor ordered for that right there and then. Yeah, I mean, it was the first start. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly. yeah it's, it's such a process, and um, the process and is probably not over it. That, it's I never imagine. over, is it? And after night, no. it's gonna not gonna be over either. No, I, I got my counselor on speed dial right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so the next thing I want to get to, Steve. And in talking to you prior to the show, um, right. I, you did not um, talk to Michelle until the day of the the visitation at the funeral home. Yes. Um, and you knew Michelle prior, you know, you rode with Bob and you knew her. I mean, she was Bob's I, did, I didn't know her well. Um, but you I, knew I of met her. her. Yeah, I met her. talked to her a couple of times. Um, and I think one of the things you expressed to me was just how she treated you at when you guys met and it meant a lot. And I'd like you to just talk a little bit about that if you can. Well, yeah, the visitation was at, uh, Kudis on Gravoy in the city. And, um, I, I want to say we all, we all went together 
I'm pretty sure the whole unit went together and they had me go in first. I think the, the family had their visitation. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, I'm sorry. Apparently it's what you do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, but no, I mean, let's set up the fact people, we all know the story that she was, she had a little boy and she was pregnant with twins yeah. at the time too. So I think that kind of adds to the. Oh, yeah. Time. I mean, it's, that's. And he was getting ready to say that. Were you? Well, no, I mean. Probably would have added it in there somewhere. Probably would have thrown it in there, Jay. But go ahead, uh, Steve. <laughs> no. Tell us a little bit about your meeting, Michelle. Well, no. So I, I think the, the family and friends, uh, close friends, uh, went first, and then then they allowed the you know the, the police department or the mobile reserve to come in after that, and so they had me go in first, and she came up, gave me a big hug meant the world to me and then I walked in first and uh, went and saw Bob um, and and this is a story that uh, that his friends tell and I didn't see it but apparently there you know there's candles or whatever in there and uh, according to them there was one candle that had gone out and then when I went in to to see Bob and went up to the casket they're telling me the candle lit up. Wow, wow, that's cool. So I didn't see it. This is what they're saying. Their story, right. not mine. But, um, um, but you know, there's there's all kinds of signs you see. Right. And that. And for his friends, for his friends to bring that up to you. Yes. Is is again, it's all part of the healing process. But the way you were treated by his wife Michelle and his friends. And if you want to mention some of his friends, I know you're. Well, I mean, here, here I, here's what I'll tell you. I mean, um, Bob's family, Michelle, his mom and dad, um, were, were amazing. Uh, and then his, you know, brother, Mike, and his sisters, uh, Debbie and Chris, were amazing. But they were all have been nothing but nice. Even when I didn't think I necessarily deserved it, they they could not have been nicer about it. In fact, his his mom gave me um, a St. Michael's medal when I graduated law school. And I'll tell that story later. That's that's a good story there too. But um, no, they, the the family has been and, and his friends um, they've been nothing but awesome to me. Which again. Now we're at the second day, but all that, and I know that your your mind was probably racing, but just when you get to go back and think of that day when you go home and the way you were treated, probably meant so much to you to get you to the next day, um, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean it. Here, it didn't make things. It did. It did. Of course, it helped, but I was still in a real bad, bad place. Yeah, I can. You know, imagine. I mean. But, you know, obviously, you know, between the, the mobile reserve officers and I mean, everyone was just amazing. So we're getting through the, the, the early start of it. And, um, you know, and as we do here on the show and, and, and Joe and, and Steve are, are some of our, our two of our best friends talk all the time, just about every day. And um, but now we're going to interject a little bit of humor. Um, at the at the expense of Jimmy Long, who um, who again was Bob's um, academy classmate, 
and uh, he was a pallbearer. He was picked as a pallbearer for the uh, for the funeral, and he was riding with uh, JJ at the time. And and uh, he does not. It's the day of the funeral itself. The visitation's over. You know, everybody did what they did afterwards, and um, I think we'll hear from JJ what uh, Jimmy Long did afterwards. Well, uh, he drank. We all went and drank that night, and um, he Jimmy drank a little more than most. I'm guessing that particular night. Yes, and so when we went to, we had to go to the funeral, and he had to be there. So I remember going, getting there early, and I don't know why he was. I drove myself and didn't pick him up, but then someone said, "Where's Jimmy?" I said, "He said he'd be here." I don't know. And so the, we we're getting panicky because he was a pallbearer and it's getting to the bewitching hour that we had to be there. And so I go, I got So I jumped in the police car, went to his house. He lived over on Roberts, wasn't too far. And I'm knocking on the door, knocking on the door. He comes to, he is, he just got out of the bed. He is a mess, hungover looking. I said, what are you doing? You, you got to go to the, you're the pallbearer, dude. You got to get dressed and go. We got to hurry up. You're all mad at him. Yeah, I was mad. I was, you know, it's irresponsible, dude. And so I'm yelling at him, get dressed, hurry up. We got to get you there. And so finally he gets his uniform on and he looks the mess still. And he gets in the car and we're driving there and he looks at me. He knows I'm mad. He says, you know, Bob would think this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he would have, but it was funny. So now we're going to just go back a little bit to the process of going back to work. So this has all happened. And how long are you off? And, and what are you doing? You know, counselors, obviously, uh -huh. you're seeing at the time. And how many counselors? Are you doing? So what's the process of going back to work? Well, I mean, admittedly, I knew, you know, what I've been through is very traumatic. And I, I didn't know if I was going to be a policeman again. You know. So being, those thoughts were a, going through your mind. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Being a policeman was a lot. I mean you know, being a policeman was the last thing on my mind. You know, obviously, you know, I guess kept thinking about, you know, Michelle, she's got, she's pregnant with twins and, um, you know, she got Will who's still in diapers and everything else. And, but, you know, I knew it was obviously some pretty traumatic stuff I've been through. And I was like, I will take all the counseling anyone thinks I need. And you were single at the time. And where did you stay during that period? Did you go back to your wherever you were living or did you stay I, with your brother? I stayed with my brother for a few days, okay. um, I think through till the uh, the funeral. And then I think I went back home after that. Okay. So now what I'm going to do is bring Joe Cruz in. And while this was um, that process of you th contemplating going back to work, um, Joe Cruz, um, what I'd like you to do is is tell us um what you did and who you went to um while this process was going on so I, excuse me i was uh interested in you know making sure steve was okay and hoping he would come back to work and uh try to feel him out in uh on the short short term i was like hey you want to go fishing just something to break your thoughts and we went to a buddy's lake resort and uh we're going around fishing and it's got a little l in it and you kind of get back in one corner you can't really see you and uh, as you come back you're you're back in the main spot well in the meantime mike mueller shows up and him and i don't even want to guess it who else i know who else it was who else was this guy was uh it was uh mcdonough matt and i think it was uh german that sounds right yeah <laughs> now, hey joe now did did you know steve very well then 
I knew him pretty well, yeah. Because okay. I mean, only because he was one of the original members of the homicide that we knew that he got he got pulled into mobile more because of his uh, HRT stuff, right? While we were already in mobile, so it kind of integrated. And uh, as, as we're fishing, uh, they jump out and uh, they come out with AKs and ARs and all kinds. This is JWs. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just so the listeners know, this is a hundred acres or our yeah. Better. We, we went for a nice peaceful <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. hundred uh, acres of irresponsible behaviors. That's what it is. Well, at times, <laughs> and this particular time. So you guys, Steve had just gone through this, and yes. you guys are fishing around the corner. They okay, can't I'm see. Trying to find my happy place. There <laughs> <laughs> right, we go. So the therapeutic day. <laughs> yeah. Ther- oh, therapeutic day turned into a range day. I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you want to get out here? Yeah, sure. But, but there was a uh, a point in time um, where you went to Joe Spees. So Steve didn't work with us. He worked actually for Vern Summers, who's great supervisor, good dude. And uh, uh, in my mind, I th- I kind of thought he needed a, a change of speed and uh, not to like be um, talk crap on any anybody else because if you're in mobile reserve you're one of the best policemen's on on the police department yep but uh we jj we were squad four we were squad four and we were we were we were we were very arrogant and uh, some of those guys were i was (laughs) yeah the hollywood squad as they were referred to by other members of the mobile and i will say that uh we did some of the best work and uh, we're very arrogant, and we were a reflection of our uh, arrogant. Uh, sergeant. Uh, no, Who was not. your sergeant again? No, you're arrogant. We, we were a, a reflection of our sergeant, Joe okay. Spies. All right. But hey, let me just say this. <laughs> there's, this will be fun. Uh, Bill Burnett was the range guy. He trained us. We were in SWAT. He, he did the training, the firearms training, the long guns. And he was the most serious man ever. So we're all having a range day. When this is, this is, the news isn't even out that Steve's coming to our squad. And I, I still laugh at it because... Someone says, yeah, I think Steve's going to come to squad four. And Bill Burnett goes, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Are you serious? And I'm like, what? why is he saying that? That's like, is he trying to insult us or something? Well, I didn't have the hair for it for one. You thing. did? Yeah, well, we, we made exceptions. Good pair of Oakleys will cover that up. Well, you, yeah. you still don't. Good, good, <laughs> hey, Steve, good pair of Oakleys would you know, fit right in. Right head nod. But yeah, Bill Burnett, you know, I love Bill Burnett. And he's, he was a great range and great firearms guy. But he was actually kind of pissed at first. And I think he caught himself and it's like, Realize he's with Squad Four right now. <laughs> he's like, "Oh yeah, okay." And yeah, goes, so Joe, you're talking. To, sorry, no, moving on here. I think it comes so Joe, you're talking to Space, and you you I, you tell him that you think that you would like to ride with Steve if he comes back. Yeah, if we could bring him back in, I think he would. He'd be a good fit. He's already a good policeman, obviously. And uh, well, I just thought it would be uh, something I could. I had the patience for. Okay. And uh, wait, did he have a fishing boat at the time? No, he did not. Okay, keep going then. That's the good. first time I were in bass fishing. You're good. Seriously? Yeah. So I had the patience and uh, and first I had, time you went bass fishing, you took under AK fire. Well, yeah. <laughs> so now and, you, and did you go again? <laughs> now it's easy. Oh. Getting, yeah. yeah, when you're not getting shot at. But it close the range. Yeah. Oh, so I kind of uh, I uh, I approached him and I approached Steve and I said, hey, if if you really think you can do this, and I don't think Steve was. Uh, I don't, I don't deserve any credit, by the way. This is all Steve doing this on his own. Um, I said, if if you think you're up for it, love to ride with you. Um, you know, I think we could have some fun. And 
I remember telling him, I said, I don't care. You can suck your thumb and sit in the back seat of the car well, you said all just, night long. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother with it, which is unusual for me to say because I back then I was right. extremely charging, active. Hard charging. Oh yeah. Steve will tell the story. He was telling me on the phone when you uh were because I asked you and Joe Spice, I, I said, Who called Steve? Well, both of you guys didn't know, and then Steve cleared it up. Go ahead and tell the well, story. Well, no, it was, about it was after came. it was after the visitation. On the, uh, we all went down to Cron. Uh, was it Cronlet Park? I think it was Cronlet Park. What's the one right off Jameson? Uh, Wilmore. Uh, I'm sorry, Wilmore. Wilmore. Yeah. I'm sorry, Wilmore Park. Yeah, and we were all we were at Wilmore Park, and we were barbecuing and, and hanging out, and that's when um, you and and Joe Spies approached me about it, and um, I was like, you know. Here, I, I hate giving comments when he's right here, but Joe Cruz was the best guy, best police officer in Mobile at the time. <clears throat> oh, God. Squad wow. four just throwing it on. Yeah. It's, it's, hey, I'm right here. here. Top, I'm right here. You're top five. That <laughs> could be a whole episode. Right. I'm over here. JJ, they didn't call you soft serve for nothing. Uh, so, but no. Uh, that was a nice guy. But no, and, and everybody knew. You know, he was. He's probably the best policeman down there at the time. And so for him to ask me that, and my first response was, well, talk to your wife. Let her know what you're taking on. <laughs> Some baggage here. And, you know, think about it. But to, to his point, you know, what he was saying earlier is like, hey, we don't have to do anything for the first month. Mm -hmm. We'll drive around. We'll look at the architecture. We'll go to the zoo. Look at the animals. We don't have to do a thing. We'll ease into this. I'm like, okay, that, let me think. Yeah, that sounds good. If I come back, it sounds, that sounds good because we're going to take this nice and slow. So go ahead, Joe. And then the first thing, you know, so here comes uh, our first. Uh, Joe gets a call from uh, one of a, a longtime informant that uh, we can make fun of at another day, but uh, we don't have to mention his okay. name. But Joe gets a call from an informant. I think he's the still first alive, night so they're there. Their name yeah. out. The first night. So tell us about that first night. Now, he, he had told me a, a month before that. And he yeah. said, if you ever see this guy, he's driving a, uh, I don't know, a, a green cutlass with a, a, a yellow top. Did he and, call it peanut butter? Peanut uh, butter top? Yeah. Uh, so I said, okay. And I, you know, it's one of those things you file away in your brain and uh, no big deal. Well, it's it's almost like getting a car on a hot sheet. We're just driving by, and we just had this conversation. We won't do anything. We'll just ride around and talk and get your brain right. And then I see that car, and I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> There's that car. So we stop it, and I said, hey, I, I got information on this car. This guy's selling dope. He says, okay. So uh, we we walk up, kind of like a, a traffic stop. And uh, as I'm approaching, it's kind of like a license, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I know the end result is I want to get him out and I got to figure out where he's hiding his dope and what he's doing. And while I'm talking to him, at some point he thinks I'm distracted and he tries to, um, I think he tried to put dope in his mouth. He did. And at that point I said, hey, why don't, Here you, we go. Why don't no. you step on out for me? Hold on. <laughs> Can I interrupt real quick? Uh, that's what know. we do. I don't know that's where you're going to go. Here, yeah. here. so I'm on, the, I'm on the passenger side, and Joe looks over at me, and he goes like this, real quick. Points to his mouth? Well, everybody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah. hungry? So. No, my shoulders just, <laughs> yeah, no, because we just ate. Uh -oh. My shoulders slumped. I'm like, I know what's coming next. First night back. Here yeah, we go. Go ahead. Hi, next thing you know, we're ro rolling around on Lindell trying to fight with this guy, oh. trying to recover. He's trying to recover. Trying to get out mouth yeah. dope. Yeah, trying to get the dope out of his mouth. Leave that. We'll leave that where it's at. Yeah. So, so yeah. So so midway through, 
I just started laughing when we were fighting with this guy. I'm like, I look at Joe and I'm like, is this, is this what you mean by taking it easy? <laughs> right, right. Is this your taking it easy? You know what? You might as well jump right back in. Yeah. So, right. so you're back, right, Steve? Let's go. Yep, right. Here we go. And we never took it easy. No. So from that did. moment on, we never no. looked at the buildings. We never went to the zoo and looked at the animals. <laughs> There's always a competitiveness in SWAT 4 between the cars and who could get the best arrest. Oh, yeah. Get the there was a there was a sergeant that that fueled it all. Oh, oh. absolutely! Yeah, he was now the chief of police of Brentwood, um, and and speaking of him, Joe Spies, um, I'm going to go later on. You know, so you just told a very powerful story. But in 2010, um, Joe Spies started as a captain. He started the officer safety program in his district, and he talked to you and he said, "Would you be willing to talk to this this class?" And um, and you did, and I just want to. Uh, what did you know? Did you did that help? You know, when you're because of every, any tragedy, you know, sometimes you got to learn from something, and you got to you know pass that along so we don't do that again. And and in talking to Joe, he 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 said that you did just did a wonderful job, and I'm just like, did you feel that when you were talking? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not a story I like to tell. Right. Um, but he had come to me and said, you know, he thought it was pretty important to uh, to tell the story, especially to some young policemen, to hopefully learn from it and, uh, you know, know what I went through and, and maybe have it in the back of their mind every time they go to search somebody. Um, so, um, you know, my feelings aside or my ego aside, if I can help save a cop, then that's what it's all about. Absolutely. I can put all that other stuff aside. Then, Absolutely. And um, hey, but, Steve, uh, how old was Bob on that day? I want to say he was uh, 30, 29 or 30. Right after the incident. And if you don't remember, if you, if you weren't if, if you were familiar with this, tell me. But did backstoppers get involved? Did they come on board? And can you talk about it if you know anything about how backstoppers? Yeah, came? no, they, they came in right away. And, uh, you know, they do what they do. They come in, they, they, I think they talked to Michelle and gave her obviously a check right away. I don't know for how much, like 10 grand or something like that, just to help cover whatever expenses. And I know um, they paid off, I'm pretty sure they paid off the house, um, took care of the, the kids' education through college, I'm pretty sure. I think they helped her move maybe so she could change her thoughts. Yeah, yeah, she, she had moved at one point in time. Um, but uh, no, the, the Backstoppers organization is just, it's amazing. So did. she was pregnant with twins, and they yes. saw it through college. Yes, I believe. I think pretty sure they did. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that organization is just incredible. The one story I like, Steve, is um, and how how Michelle threw you a surprise birthday party. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, so yeah, so um, I would babysit um, Will, and then eventually, when she had the twins, occasionally I'd babysit uh, the twins. Oh. Which I don't know what she was thinking there. But. <laughs> I guess, you know, I learned how to change a diaper and all that. So, I mean, um, but no, it was, it was, it was good for me. It was therapeutic for me because I got to connect with, with Bob's kids. So right. it was like any chance I'd, I'd get to be able to do that. It was, it really was. It was like being closer to Bob at the time. So I had just graduated law school. I don't know if I had passed the bar or not, but um, I was set to, to, to watch the kids. And, uh, and this is her house on Childress. This is it? where she was yeah she was on children and so i show up there uh to babysit 
And I walk, you know, they had a glass door, I knock on there, no one's answering. I look at it, it's dark as can be inside, with the exception of the kitchen. And so I walk in, and it's a surprise party for me, uh, graduating law school and passing the bar and all that wow. stuff. Wow. So it was, cool. and it was, I, you know, it was, I, I think you guys were there. We were all there. Yeah, yeah you guys yeah. were there. You were behind the couch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was cool. That was the era that we all lived in the same neighborhood. So yeah everybody all the families are so close and buddies the one good thing about the residency rule honestly the time yeah, that we, all, we all were close to it, it was you know? cool but uh but yeah i mean um you know bob's friends were all there and his family and everything else and that's when uh dorenda his mom gave me a uh, uh st michael's medal that oh. i still have and still wear to this day on my vest very cool work, so yeah it was like i said they're they're all just amazing so, and, and, and again, this is a powerful, powerful show, but you guys are our close friends and you guys are listeners of the podcast and, you know, we have fun on this podcast and, and we want to have fun with you guys too. And we've had some laughs, but uh, these guys have come up with some, some stories that they'd like JJ to tell. They've come up with uh, what is some of the other episodes where we mentioned stuff. Uh, they might want to comment on so we'll kind of kick it to them and let them kind of ask jj what they uh, i think steve you had a, a story you wanted him to tell you know, this is kind of bullshit because <laughs> he he needs to tell he wants to tell a story and make fun of me it's kind of he gets a big kick out but i hear it all the time so he you I, I don't understand really? how free reign to create has not come up yet. I've watched, I've listened to all these episodes. Free reign to create. Listen, free reign to create. Earlier in the show, when, when Steve was mentioning Mobile Reserve, and I just threw in the quick quip of free reign. That was fun. We already knew what well, we were talking he, about. Go ahead, JJ. Tell us why. What he's talking reign. about is I had a federal trial with Tom Meehan. Everybody here knows Tom Meehan. He's kind of a jokester attorney, U.S. attorney, great attorney. Likes to have fun. Likes to have fun. Friend, Sometimes too much he's fun, right? He's a, friend, he's a friend of ours. He's a friend of he's ours. A good guy. And really so good. I'm going on the stand for this. I don't even, Steve, you remember the case better than I do. I don't even know the Yeah, case. it was uh, right off of South Jefferson and uh, like Shenandoah. It was a real good case. A oh, real good, a good real, good it was call. a really good, a good case. A really good, good arrest. drug dealer. And you're going to find good. out why he's a really good drug dealer, who his attorney was. It's a good arrest by me, I guess. Uh, that's why I was in court. Was. So anyway, Daniel. I saw you looking at him. Did I hit my glasses or something? No, no, no. But anyway, so I go to federal trial. It's against Rosenblum. Scott Rosenblum. If you're from St. Louis, you're a criminal, you know. If you have money and you're a criminal, you know who Scott Rosenblum is. And he's just a high-priced, good attorney. Actually, he's a, I've good talked guy. to him. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. guy. He's a pretty I, good I, guy. He's he's a great guy. He's one of the best defense yeah, attorneys. In and I see him at the stadium when we work in the baseball games a lot. But anyway, uh, I have to ask him if he remembers this, but. I'm on the stand, and he asked what Mobile Reserve, describe what Mobile Reserve does. So I kind of explained the unit. And at some point in my testimony, I said, well, you know, we have free reign to go wherever we want. And, and it, it's gotten kind better. Of and, I and, think you use the kind of create cases. No, that's no, what people said, said that said later on. Create cases. It, it got create better. cases. That, that's the part I don't believe. But anyway, everybody, it, the story me. always gets better as the story gets told. But anyway, I said, uh, we have free reign. And I'll go with Steve and say, we have free reign to create our own cases. Well, after every questioning, he said, oh, he didn't interrupt me. Go, oh, no, that's okay. That's right. You have free reign. <laughs> <laughs> after every time he, and he'd come back and ask me rebuttals and he would say, oh, oh that's right. You, you can, you can uh, create whatever you want or whatever. 
So I knew I'd screwed up on that state. <laughs> so I was like, oh, geez. But as we're walking off, the trial was done. We're walking off. I'm walking with Tom Meehan. And I, we get outside the courtroom. I look at him. We're walking. He's quiet. I said, hey, uh, how'd I do? He says, well, if your penis wasn't so big, you wouldn't have stepped on it so many times. But he, he actually used the other word for penis. But, um, but anyway, ending on that story, he did get convicted. And he went to jail. So even though I did screw that up, so you cr it. you created a good case. I did. <laughs> I created a good case. Kind of uncreated. Uh, that's not right. Uh, so Steve, that's I think Steve's favorite story. He loves to tell that story. Thanks. Thought we were friends though. That's so the one, uh, the other one is a. I thought it was a good idea, and um, Joe Cruz had a neighbor, and his neighbors, the <laughs> the the. the um, the gentleman, the, the husband was dying of cancer and another cheery story. No, but uh, it, 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 it is again, got to find laughter in, in some things. Right. So, uh, he, they expressed the fact that they may want to try some edible brownies and, uh, Joe, you take it from there. <clears throat> so I, I think if you've listened to this, you probably realize that Tom has somewhat of a history of uh, THC and consumption and whatnot. He's pretty consistent. <laughs> Certainly. Consistent. <laughs> very, very consistent. I will say he, God he, he legal, didn't stop man. his cons consistency while he was a policeman. Uh, but uh, he was aware of my neighbor, who, uh, Chris, who's, who had brain cancer. And he wasn't doing very well. And I think he had a bit of a history with THC as well. And uh, Tom thought it'd be a good idea to bring him over some brownies. So he calls me and he says, hey, I, I took care of Chris today. I, I dropped off some brownies. And I look at my watch and I'm like, where'd you drop them off? And he said, in between a storm door and the uh, front door. And I was like, his kids are getting out of school in 15 oh. minutes. <laughs> I had to drive over there about 100 miles an oh. hour to prevent these <laughs> kids from grabbing these THC brownies. Oh. Uh, took them in there and like put them somewhere they couldn't find them. I'm like, okay, yeah, that was a uh, good call. Time. <laughs> but for the record, I was not told they had kids. I was just told that they were interested in getting some brownies. And I, I know a guy, you know, I, I know a guy You're like a drug pusher now. No, brownie <laughs> pusher. <laughs> he called me. I didn't, it wasn't like I was like, hey, brownies for sale. <laughs> you were on the street corner selling brownies. <laughs> and then, uh, but. So, and I drop them off and, and I thought they, I didn't know if they knew what they were doing or, you know, obviously that happens with the kids, but, um, I get a call at eight. Oh, eight yeah. o'clock. It, it didn't get worse. So I get a call at eight o'clock from Cruz and I was like, yeah, what's up? And go ahead and tell I, them. Yeah. So I don't know anything about these brownies and, uh, I'm, I'm also, uh, taking care of the wife sort of with my wife and, uh, She's uh, drinking wine and uh, trying to cope and everything's fine. And she goes home and one of the kids calls and says, hey, my mom's uh, like uh, laying all in the uh, bathroom floor and there's a bunch of throw up. And I was like, OK. And then I send my wife over and it's like, see what's going on. And she talks to her in the bathroom. She's like, yeah, I had a couple of those brownies or whatever. <laughs> couple. And, and uh, she not had, a good move. She she had drank wine, and uh, I call 
Tommy and I said, hey, what's up with these brownies? And he goes, eh, well, you should probably only have about a half or whatever. Yeah, did, did you think about leaving instructions <laughs> with your doped out brownies? <laughs> Hold on a second. So he now said, I'm a bad rap. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wear it. He, he says, you should only have about a half. And I, I go, and, 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 then he, and he drops, was she drinking? <laughs> you know, said, a lot of people. I said, yeah, I think she was drunk. And, and he's like, and he keeps going, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I was like, he goes, get about three hours, she'll be fine. Right. Which, pretty much she was. Right. Midnight, she was like, well, about midnight, she'll be fine. But what, see. <laughs> from, from what you heard. Right. But what you got to understand is that anybody that is going into this, experience for the first time whether it be smoking or edibles um there's like a, a list of things you shouldn't probably do and getting liquid courage to then get high is never a good idea and she got that she got them a couple bottles of, or a couple glasses of wine down her not a good time to start bad Bad mojo every time from that. I'm gonna write this down so when I retire, I can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Chief Dodge, did you know this was gonna be a tutorial on how to use THC? He has free reign to create his brownies. Can we call me Steve and not nope. Chief? Right? And, and, oh, and I didn't. Again, I, I got a guy, and I didn't. And I'm not a big edible guy. I don't like him that much. But when this bad incident happened, they the brownies were given back to me by. Joe, Joe's like, hey, I don't, I don't, they don't need these things anymore. They don't want to deal with this anymore. So I went over and got them. And let me tell you something. Those things, those things had some kick to them. <laughs> they had to knock the normal man out. <laughs> and then how about the, and then the, Joe tells the story that the husband was a ra rather large individual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, it, I mean, it, he was like 6'4", 250 at least, 270. Geez. And uh, he was he was like too high and too limp to get into his hospital bed sitting on the, a recliner because of the brownies. Probably, yeah. The, you, the, well, this is bad for you. <laughs> no, it was bad for me. I, I had to blow my back out for about a month. He had to take him to the bathroom. These were the worst brownies <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. His, his intentions were true. He wanted to help yeah. cancer patients. Yeah, but he should have included instructions. Apparently. Exactly. Should have been written on a note. Exactly. As much as he makes us take notes and write things down for here. Yeah, like, there were no labels. Yeah. There was no Tylenol labels. Tylenol and Advil, they all come with dosage instructions and everything. But let's just go and throw these brownies in the door and there you go. All right. You guys listen to all the shows. Give us uh, give us some critique and some funny stuff or what What do we got to do better and all right, what so shows were good. So to know your, uh, I guess, your guest better, Steve. And obviously the uh, co-guest, I guess, uh, Joe. Um, we had a Halloween party, and uh, I went with I went as Steve, and I was a nerd, and uh, I had a sweater vest on. <laughs> and in Oxford, it was way too small for me, and pants that came up to my ankles. And he went as a Hoosier, and he had that hat on that had all the hair coming out of the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we were Joe and Steve, but we were <laughs> oh just my God. so you guys went as each other. Yeah, yeah that's cute. That. Now the the bad part about that though is I was planning on doing that, and somehow someone snitched me out no. to you because you didn't know that. I don't think you knew I was going as you, and then someone told you that. I think your wife gave me the vest. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. So I think she she dimed me out on that deal. So. Steve, you look like you're in great shape, staying in good shape. Last time I saw you was on a, a Channel 2 News going into ice cold water. That's coming up for the polar plunge. That's yes, it up. is. February 24th uh, at Creve Coeur Lake. 
So we uh, we got a page for raising money for that, and uh, hopefully this lake will be a little warmer than the last one. <laughs> What's it raise money for? Uh, Special Olympics. Okay. Special Olympics. So yeah, Sunset Hills has a team. Uh, we'll try to include a link for anybody who uh, yep. Yep. we'll get that to that and donate. But yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a great event. I know it's a big fundraiser for Special Olympics. Good. Um, so. Uh, I guess I'm excited to do it, but it's a, for a good cause. You've hey, done it several times, haven't just you? Just once. I just last year was the first year I got roped into doing it. Hey, okay. Steve, do you want to tell what you did on Sunday? You want to give a props to that? Um. Oh yeah. And I was a witness. He did it. He. Let's go ahead. Uh, at first form, uh, Josh Becker, and Josiah Merritt, who is uh, Nick Sloan's cousin. Um, they did what they call a. a, a wad or workout of the day in honor of nick sloan so they did this uh sunday at first form and it was it was a great event there was probably close to 100 people there if not mm -hmm. more and uh we did this insane workout to honor nick who is uh, a big fitness guy himself in fact the first time i met him was at uh, powerhouse gym uh in shrewsbury so but it was just a it was a neat deal and uh the way they, you know, did the workout was um, a lot of very symbolic with his badge number and that kind of thing. And um, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was really cool catching up with a lot of old mobile guys too. So yeah, it was, we had a great picture. But Nick was killed on uh, January thirtieth. Uh, what was the year? Twenty four. Uh, no, fourteen. No, not fourteen. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, four. 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 Twenty year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. With his wife 20. and his son were there. They were. Yeah. And, Gabe was there. Yep. Uh, was, that's a good. Gabe Keithley was uh, a good friend of ours. Right. And that's, I was going to bring that up. And and, and Gabe Keithley, who is, and, and like Steve said, is a tremendous friend of ours. Um, he he was Nick's partner at the time. Yes. And, I'm, and you, after your incident, you reached out to Gabe and um, and really helped him through. And, you know, and. Even to this day, we still talk. Right. We still talk about it. And um, I think that's important to both of you. Your guys' relationship is is very important. And there's, um, you know, and, and, and you guys are both all close to us. And, and, and our relationship with you guys means just as much to us because um, we love having you guys around and, and being part of the group. And uh, I think we'll just end, Steve, if you want to just kind of wrap this whole thing up about the counseling you received. And, and um, Yeah, I mean, it's here. My... my in my instance, it was obvious I was going to need counseling. But on this job, I think the day in and day out stuff we see, I don't think we really realize how it affects us sometimes. You know, when you see, you know, it could be a victim of a, of a car crash where someone dies or even a homicide or whatever. Um, I think it, it just nicks away at you and it nicks away at you and that, and that accumulates over time. And I don't think, um, you know, there's there's any shame in going and getting help. And that's what it comes down to is, hey, you break an arm, you go to a doctor. Hey, in this job, with all the stuff we see day in and day out, it's a good idea, if you're feeling something, to go talk to somebody. And I don't think anybody has a, will think lesser of you. Right. In fact, might think more of you for, for trying to keep your, your head on straight. I mean, obviously... Suicide in law enforcement is a is a huge problem, and I think there's more suicides. I could be wrong, but I think there's more suicides than there are officers killed in line of duty every year. Mm -hmm. 
Now, you know, obviously that gets a lot of attention, but, um, you know. But there's help out there. Yeah, there there's is. help out there, there through is. many different ways, right. whether it be counseling. And you just got to tell somebody. You, nobody knows how much, um, you're how bad it is and how much you're hurt unless you tell somebody. You know, and, and policemen, you know, and they're masculine and, you know, don't want to be thought of as, as not being tough and all that's bullshit. And yep. I think everybody here agrees that if you're out there and you need some help, you know, just there's so many things that the policemen or our police departments are trying to do with counseling. And sometimes it takes my, you know, I was talking to Gabe. Um, sometimes it takes more than one counselor. You know, counselors are just like everybody else. Some of them are different than others. And don't be afraid to say this counselor's not working and try something different, you know, because everything can work for each officer a little differently. They just like we talked about earlier, there's not a plan. There's not a plan in, in any of this stuff to take care of what you feel. And it, it, sometimes it's trial and error. And um, and I, we just we're implore people that need help to go get help. PTSD is real. Uh, know several guys with it. You know, it's a coping thing that never it never goes away. It, but you have to find a way to deal with it. And is that a correct? Would you yes, say that's absolutely. pretty correct, Steve? Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's not a day I go by. I don't think about Bob. I don't think about that day. And that's never going to stop. But, but you've given but yourself. But I've been able to manage it and, and right. you know, and, and, and deal with it. So, but um, no, there's there's no shame in, in trying to get help. And if you see a friend struggling, have the courage to, to have a conversation with them about it, too. You know, Chief, one of the big things we uh, uh, a recurring theme that we have on the brighter side of blue is when you decide to enter the law enforcement uh, family, it's exactly what you just entered a family, a huge family. And, and so many stories that were told by you tonight and shared by us epitomizes the family of it. I mean, a surprise birthday party because you graduate from law school. Mobile reserve going out to your house the day of training out there 12 cars deep. Um, Nick Sloan event, the polar plunge, everything's just epitomizes that we are a family from start till end. Absolutely. And that's what we're trying to sell uh, through this podcast, that it is a great profession and we are a family and we bring you in and you can never leave. Yep. So I say one thing and Steve and Gabe are both blessed with is great families, great wives, great kids. And that helps a lot. I'm sure. A ton. Yeah. Thanks for sharing with us tonight. Thank you, yeah, Joe. Thanks, Thank you, Steve. Joe, we, thanks. We enjoyed it. And, um, now, I think I need counseling now. Oh, boy, do you just have some brownies? All right. <laughs> Peace.